Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt, and I've got a follow-up episode for you today in place of a normal episode. You guys know I normally publish on Mondays. I'm actually recording this on Monday, November 28th at 11 a.m., and I'm planning to publish this as soon as I get it done today. And I decided to share this follow-up with Amity because I am behind. (laughs) I got sick in November and was laid low for a couple weeks, fell behind on the podcast, and had a few days of traveling last week to come back to Washington for the holiday and have been spending some time with family, so that's been really great. But because of all that, I do not have a regular episode ready for today. So I wanted to publish something, and I have been sitting on this follow-up with Amity for... Too long. Uh, We recorded this back in, I believe, early October. It was a great conversation. It was fun to catch up with Amity and hear about her summer climbing up on the diamond and also hear about her spring season in Yosemite this past spring. We covered some of the highlights and lessons learned from her season, and she had some really awesome things to share. So I'm going to share the first roughly 20 or 30 minutes of this episode for free for all of you listening. And the full version is available right now to patrons who support the Nugget Climbing Podcast for $5 per month or more. The full conversation is about an hour and 25 minutes. So if you need your weekly fix of the Nugget, there you go. We've got a full-length follow-up episode with Amity that you can listen to right now. You can learn more at the link right there in your podcast app, patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. It just takes a few minutes to sign up and you can cancel at any time. No questions asked. All right. Thank you guys for being so understanding. And I hope you enjoy this free teaser of my follow-up with Amity Warm. All right, man. How's 10 sleep? 10 sleep's good. It's been hot. Yeah. It's I'm talking to you on October 4th. We've been here a month, a little over a month, and it kind of just got good like in the last week or two. Okay. What um, do you work? Um it's been a mix. I've been trying to do some volume because I haven't clipped a lot of chains in the last like 18 months. I've been bouldering a lot and doing some projecting. Yeah. So some volume, which has been great. Um it took a while actually to feel like I knew how to sport climb again. <laughs> just kidding. Well, like, yeah, and like Smith is kind of, or it's not Smith. Ten sleep's hard to, um, I mean, it's all like pockets and everything, you know, it's not like bouldering necessarily. Totally. And it's weird pockets, like uh, they're weird shapes. You got to, you know, kind of yeah. figure out how to put your fingers in strange stacked positions and things. Yeah. And not feel like your tendons are just going to snap. Totally. Yeah, it's been really good. I've also been trying a 13D up at Crag 6 since it's been kind of okay. warm and I'm very, very close. So I'm hopeful to nice. take it down this okay. week. We'll see. Yeah. How are you? Good. Um, I mean, still bumming about the shoulder a little bit. I'm like five weeks into recovery. Okay. Um, so I haven't climbed in five weeks, which is a weird Weird feeling. Is that is this the first time since you started climbing that you've taken this long of a break? Since I started climbing, like seriously, so yeah, for the past like five ish years, I think during COVID it was probably a similar, similarly long break. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to hear about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but it's coming around. Yeah. So, and come back strong. 
Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about your shoulder. Do you want to, maybe we should start backwards and just slowly go backwards in time because um, you're, I mean, it's a pretty epic shoulder injury story, you know, like it's, I don't know if it's better, if it's like a good thing or a worse thing to to hurt your shoulder doing something rad, you know, like maybe it feels better than tripping down the stairs or something, but still obviously sucks. Yeah. Tell me no, about what you were trying on, up on the diamond. Yeah. Over the summer. Yeah. I was, I climbed a lot up in Rocky Mountain National Park this summer. So the kind of the last big thing I did was the honeymoon is over, which is kind of one of the king lines on the diamond. It's like four pitches of Eroica and then four of its own pitches. So there's a 13C, 13B, and a 13A, and then a 512 pitch at the end. I spent most of August working on that. And then, yeah, the last day up there, I ended up partially tearing my labrum on the last hard move of the climb. So I don't know if you want to, like, it was a pretty epic day. I don't know if you want, like, the rundown of the full day, Um, yeah i'd love to hear about it it sounded (laughs) epic it sounded totally epic and in the worst i don't know i mean you yeah tell me (laughs) okay so uh so i'd done sarcasm earlier in the summer which was another as my first 14a up in rocky mountain and uh shortly after that i was out of town for a couple of weeks on a climbing trip uh when i came back I knew I wanted to check out honeymoon was over, but I hadn't, I wasn't like really fully committed to projecting it like kind of for context and reasons why I wasn't fully committed yet is that it's like a 12 to 13 mile round trip hike tops out over 14,000 feet. There's just a lot going on besides the climbing itself. Uh, so I was excited to check it out in part because it's been raved about and you know, it's kind of, a lifetime climb that I want to have done in my climbing career. Um, but I didn't really feel like I had enough time in the remaining amount of summer to put it together. Mentally, it's a, I mean, it's just a big undertaking. Like you're dealing with so many complications aside from just difficult climbing. You're getting pretty much a daily thunderstorm. Uh, like one of the first days I went up there the forecast was calling for like a 40% chance of rain at 6 PM. And it turned out to be like a hundred percent chance of lightning and thunder and hail <laughs> at 3 PM. So we were still down on the side of the mountain and it's pretty terrifying when that happens. Like we were drenched and cold and trying to do more up out of there. But at the same time, you don't want to go beyond top of the mountain in the lightning storm. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, at that point, that was like one of my first days up there. And at that point I was kind of like, I'm over it. I don't like, I don't think I want to do this. Kind of called it quits until like two days later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I found out a couple other people were going up there to work on it. So I rallied again and, uh, went up for another day again, not really fully committing, just being willing to go spend another couple days on it and see how it went. And then kind of kept that up and made good progress on it. I was pretty hooked. And again, I knew this was a climb I wanted to do at some point in my climbing career. And 
in the front range at that time is too hot to climb anywhere in lower elevations. So, so I, I kind of committed to it. I was like, I think I'm in until another two days later. And then <laughs> I kind of got distracted by another line that I was also stoked about up in the park. Uh, this like three pitch 513 trad line that Josh Wharton and I ended up doing together. So I spent like a week going up there and working on that. And then we both sent that, um, which was really cool. That was the first ascent, right? Well, yeah. So it's a line that Tommy Caldwell had put up many years ago on ship's prow. And we did like a direct finish up this head wall of it. So I guess it's a first ascent, but it was a pretty minor like variation. Okay. Gotcha. Statlands line. Um, what's be, the name of that name of that one barnacle scars was what we called our barnacle variation. scars yeah so the the original climb is keel hall which keel hauling was an ancient or not ancient but a punishment for pirates back in the day they would be tied to the hull of the ship and dragged along by the boat and just get all cut up by these barnacles that were on the boat that was called keel hauling so we named our variation barnacle scars <laughs> nice that was that was all josh he came up with that nice anyway after we did that then it was back to full-time projecting on the honeymoon is over uh so at that point i was all in but the tough thing about projecting on the diamond is that between the weather and overall fatigue and yeah managing the schedule and thunderstorms and everything you're really only getting maybe a couple days a week on the route so i spent several days working out the moves and gear and everything on micro track which was just the most efficient way for me to be able to go up there on my own and not have to coordinate a partner at the same time and everything so i spent several days on micro track and then kind of waited for a good weather window to give it a lead lead burn. One of the really frustrating things about honeymoon is over, especially this year is how much it seeps. Mm. So I really never climbed on the route dry. Wow. Yeah. There's always like some degree of wetness that you're working with. So I would practice the pitches wet, like just knowing that whenever I did give it a lead go, it was probably going to be wet. So I would just practice it in that condition anyway. God, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's so wild to me. Like, help me understand that a little bit more closely because like you're an amazing climber and obviously this thing's within your ability, you know, but like you don't have a huge, huge margin. This thing's like the hard, the crux is 13C or, you know, you just climbed your first 14A and like, I don't know if I can climb 12A when it's wet, you know, like climbing gets so much harder when it's wet. So help me understand that. Like, is it just sections, easier sections, or are you like finding specific or like tricky techniques to be able to get through the climbing and make it not too much harder? Or are you just totally beasting up way harder cruxes because they're soaking wet? Like that, that makes no <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like the first few days that I tried the 13 C pitch, it had been quite wet and I was getting pretty discouraged on it. Of like, I, like, I can't put this together. Like I'm having a hard time doing moves and 
eventually one day that I went up there, it was actually dry. And I think I came back down and told Connor, I was like, man, turns out like, it's a lot easier to hold on to dry rock. Like I actually linked some moves on that pitch today. It was you know, like really encouraging. And of course he laughed at me, but I, I think you kind of just get used to additional insecurity. Mm. But I guess to your point, the day that I went up for a red point go, it was like a perfect forecast. Uh, it had, you, you really need like at least two days of good weather because it, it's so wet the first day after a storm, it, it's not climbable. So you really need that, like at least a second day of good weather to climb on it. And it's still going to be seeping, but climbable. So it was a perfect forecast, like completely splitter. Uh, Connor had come up to support me. We'd bivvied the night before. And then that day of it, a few things kind of worked against us, but Anyway, we got like a later start than anticipated. We ended up being behind several people on the first pitch of it. it like shares the first pitch with several routes. Real quickly, can you, I mean, I've talked about this, the diamond and this route in particular on the podcast before with Nathan Hadley, and um, he kind of gave us some of the, the details. But for people that haven't heard that, share a little bit more context about the day. Like what does it take to get to the diamond and give a red point try? Because... This isn't just like you're, okay, cool, I'm going to go cragging and like try to knock out my multi-pitch project. This is like a huge, huge undertaking. Right, yeah, that's probably helpful. So it's like a three, uh, going at a good pace, it's like a three and a half hour hike to where we were bibbing, three to three and a half hour. I don't know, it's like six plus miles, I think, to where we were bibbing. So I would typically go up and be the night before, partly because it helped with the acclimation to altitude. Um, so that was part of the reason for bivying. But the other reason was that unless you're doing that, you're getting up at like 2 a.m. to start hiking, to work on the climb, to be off the top by one when it starts hailing on you almost daily. So yeah, it's a it's a considerable undertaking just to go up there and survive, like exist, much less actually rock climb. So I'd usually, when I was working, I would usually go up and either bivy the night before, or I would go up and climb and then bivy that night and climb again the next day uh, to try and get like two days of climbing out of one hike's worth, because uh, that kind of additional fatigue just really starts to accumulate over time mm. between the hike and the altitude and early mornings and everything. But yeah. Anyway, on the day I went for a red point go, I was totally no expectation of sending it. Like not figured it would take multiple attempts to actually send it once I started leading it. So yeah, like I said, the first four pitches are shared with the Roica. So it's, which is like a five twelve up there but the, the fourth pitch of that is this like notoriously hard 11 plus stem corner and i was absolutely drenched when we got to it like you're if you can imagine like just stemming on like completely wet walls <laughs> like minimal handholds you're just stemming on like completely wet walls to, on either side somehow i managed to get through that like i said i, I practiced it wet previously like i knew it was possible. I'd never done it on lead, which was a little spicier. 
but yeah, I managed to get through that. <laughs> I was not super psyched at that point. Like my, my psyche was pretty low for going up the rest of the route, but bailing down would have been a lot of extra work to like bail down and then hike back up to where we'd bivied and left a bunch of our stuff. So I was like, we're here. I might as well give it a go. But then that next pitch is the crux, the 13 C it's like this 13 or 35 meter ultra technical, like offset seam, mostly protected with like RPs and small cams. Uh, that's yeah. Like 13 C it's really insecure climbing, uh, with a hard move, like right at the chains. And that was also wet. Uh, oh like gosh. not only was the wall wet, but like I was getting dripped on from above. It's like <laughs> your hands are getting wet. Your feet are getting wet. My chalk bag's getting dripped in. Somehow I got through, but yeah, like you said, like I was just over gripping so hard the entire time that I was pretty wrecked by the time I got through that pit. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Like, I was trying so hard. Jesus. I got to the top of that. It's like, I don't want to lead that again. Like, I don't want to have to come back up here and lead that again. But I'm like so worked already. I don't know if I can get through another three hard pitches. But yeah, the next pitch is like a long 13B with two boulder problems separated by some like pumpy lie backing. I actually climbed that pitch really well. That one was dry. I was felt like I was pretty thrashed from the first crux pitch, uh, but I climbed it really well, like exactly how I'd practiced, which I was, I was happy about that. And then the next pitch is like a long kind of endurance 13 a and I get partway up this pitch and all of a sudden out of nowhere, like these dark clouds just start rolling over the top of the diamond mm. And the way it works out there is you can't, you can't see storms coming because they generally come from behind the diamond. So you don't know it's going to storm until you're, it's on you. So within like a few seconds, it's dumping hail on us. And I, I, I'm at this like hand jam rest. So I just stand there. Like I can hold on and wait it out. I don't I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's like, I'm not going to come down. Like I'm not going to, give it up at this point uh wait you're like in the middle of the 13a pitch i'm not like yeah like in the middle of the pitch i'm just at that stance <laughs> like with a couple hand jams that i'm shaking out between yeah like connor can't even look up at me like he's hailing so hard so he just kind of waited out for like maybe 10 or 15 minutes fortunately it was pretty quick Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that free teaser of my follow-up with Amity. If you want to hear the whole thing, the full version is available right now for patrons who support the show for $5 per month or more. You can learn more at patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app and it just takes a few minutes to sign up and you can cancel at any time, no questions asked. The full conversation was about an hour and 25 minutes. And we covered Hamity's highlights and lessons learned from her spring season in Yosemite, which was a really kick-ass season. She is absolutely crushing it. Again, there's a link right there in your podcast app, or you can go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing if you want to learn more. 
As always, I appreciate you guys so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you next Monday for another regular episode. Like we do it.